coming up on this week's episode of Check Your Balances, the first ever holiday gift guide that Dan and I are personally curating just for you. Stick around. That's coming up next. Check Your Balances is a show produced and owned by Craftwork Capital. The views expressed by the hosts and their guests are personal opinions and should not be considered personal financial advice or the opinion of Craftwork Capital. All investments have risk and may lose money. Consult with your financial advisor, tax preparer, or attorney prior to implementing anything discussed, and please do not use this show as the sole basis for financial decisions. Welcome back to another week of Check Your Balances. I am Ross Anderson, joined as always by my friend and co-host, Dan Maseka. Dan, great to see you. Ross, good to see you as well. Happy early holidays to you. Absolutely. It is the giving season, and we're doing what we hope is a fun episode today. Might be a little bit shorter than some of our other stuff, but we thought this is a good week to, to have a little bit of fun. Most people probably aren't super focused on their finances and next week, I think we're going to be back with a year-end wrap-up, taking a look at what's gone on in the market this year and what's going on there. If you've got questions for that show, check your balances at Outlook.com is the email address where you can find us. We love hearing from you. Appreciate all of our listeners. But today, we're doing our gift guide. The Check Your Balances Gifting Guide of 2021. That's it. Now, granted, we're probably a little late for this show. It is literally the week of Christmas. So for folks that were out there still looking for last-minute gift ideas, this probably doesn't help you. But I do hope that it entertains you at least a little bit. If your house is anything like my house, there are definitely some stragglers on your gift list that you have no idea what to do for. And uh, someone, that someone not being me, because I am not the gift shopper in my house, is uh, scrambling for, for ideas. So when we thought about this idea, I think we wanted to talk through some practical gifts as well as perhaps some silly ones. And I was thinking really finance-oriented gifts. And the first thing I did was like Googled finance gifts and came up with a really silly website full of nothing, just a whole website full of like stockbroker gifts. All right. Now that website, granted, we have no affiliation here. But we would love to. (laughs) So there is there is no conflict in this bullmarketgifts.com, which I was very amused by, both the name of it and everything on their website. It just completely takes me back to days of being in an old school brokerage house from the wood paneling that they use as like the background in every photo to kind of this just, I don't know, it feels like a dark and smoky sort of environment where you'd meet with your broker and hush tones. And uh, it just... It has that aura to it. It does. And you sent me one thing off the website that that struck your fancy in particular, which I thought was really funny. And it is an Enron Corp stock certificate, which you can buy for the sales price of $248. But rest assured, the real value is a big old goose egg. Yeah. No no offense to bullmarketgifts.com, but almost $300 for an Enron stock certificate. That seems like a lot. It does. Now... I do like the idea of having really nice looking stock certificates or bonds. They are very nice on a wall if you have an office or they're entertaining to look at at a minimum. Um, perhaps you can even find one with a personal connection to the person you're gifting to. So if you have someone who's from Reading, Pennsylvania, perhaps you can find a Reading Railroad bond. But I would advise against spending a couple hundred bucks. I actually have some bonds framed in my house, and you can easily pick them up at a, um, you know, antique store or a thrift shop for a couple bucks, and 
the most expensive part is just the framing. Which is another particularly expensive thing. Yeah, now you and I actually worked in an office together that had a bunch of stock certificates. Do you remember this? I actually don't. Okay, so in the old Motley Fool Asset Management space, they had a big handful. It was like a whole wall full of stock certificates. And it was kind of around the corner in that like back area that faced the windows. Uh, but shout out to any of the Motley Fool Asset Management folks that were there back in those days before they moved that office. Uh, but it had a bunch of stock certificates. And I remember, I think Enron was one of them. MCI WorldCom. There were a handful of great relic companies. And uh, for me, I think it's just kind of a reminder of the business that we're in, right? You had a lot of folks. And, and I mean, granted, I don't want to sound like I'm obsessed with Enron. But when I was in college, I had the movie poster for The Smartest Guys in the Room, which was a documentary about Enron. That was on my wall in college. So uh, I, that's been a story that I've been intrigued by for a very long time. And we can take a lot of investing lessons from it, but also personal finance lessons. How many folks were completely wrapped up in their own company stock where that was a devastating effect? It's one of those situations where hindsight is always twenty twenty, but having too much of your net worth in a single company is just dangerous. And it doesn't matter if it's the best company on the planet or you think it's the best company on the planet. There is a level of risk associated with that that we just aren't comfortable with. Now, what your threshold is, whether you're comfortable with 10% of your portfolio or 20 or 30 or even 50% of your portfolio being in a single company stock, that's going to be a little bit different depending on where you are in life, what your risk tolerance is, how well you really know that business. But in general, if it's 100%, you're in trouble. And there are people entering adulthood today who probably have no clue what Enron was or why it's significant. So having something like that, hopefully not for $250, on your wall could be a good learning opportunity for people who are going to do the deep dive into what was the Enron company, what was their story, which I think is really interesting. All right. So let's do one more silly gift that comes from the bullmarketgifts.com website. This is a stock market decision maker paperweight is how it's described. And Dan, I don't know if you saw this one, but what this is, is basically a metal spinny wheel <laughs> that you just spin and it lands on a decision. Those decisions, as far as I can read them, are short, long, put, call, sell, buy, liquidate, and hold. I think that's interesting because even in those... First of all, some of them mean the same thing. Sell and liquidate, basically the same. You've got put and call, which I think are interesting as well, because that doesn't actually tell you what to do. You can take a put position in a bullish way. You could sell the put, which is generally a bullish sign that you're willing to buy shares in the company. You're trying to generate some income. Or you can buy a put, which means that you're betting on the price to decline. But either way, you can interpret these buy and sell signals as you'd like. Because this paperweight will simply make your decisions for you. So if you're sitting around looking at your portfolio going, I wish someone could do this for me, but I'm unwilling to pay a professional, this might be a good gift for you. Right. It's almost like a, uh, it looks like a fidget spinner. I wonder if it could function in a similar way. If this were on my desk, you would have to pry it out of my hands because I would be fiddling all day. Uh, so believe it or not, I worked for an advisor early in my career that owned what might be this exact item. And similarly, 
it was a very addictive toy to just play with and just constantly tinker with while it's on the table in front of you. So if you need a magic eight ball style device for your financial decisions, or at least your trading decisions, this might be the gift for you. Or if you want to go budget, do you remember when we were kids and we would make those little fortune teller things out of paper? I do. I couldn't make one of those today if my life depended on it. I would have to look up how to do that. I tried the other day. It worked. It was entertaining, uh, more so for me than my daughter. But I, I, I was going to say, were you doing that for your daughter or were you actually making some investing decisions? Oh, no, well, both. <laughs> uh, I wanted to entertain her with a, a DIY homemade toy. So I made one of those little fortune tellers and she could not care less. But because of my OCD, I had to finish creating this thing and colored it and made it all nice. So if you want one of those handmade from me, just write us an email and maybe I'll, maybe I'll send you one. Crafty Dan Maseka. I really hope somebody writes in and asks you for one of those because that you having to figure out how to make another one and ship it across the country somewhere is like my favorite thing. <laughs> I would uh, employ YouTube heavily. All right. So let's talk about some more practical ideas because I do think that this is an opportunity at this time of year to do some good. One of the things that you can do in terms of doing some good is making a contribution to the 529 plans of the children in your life whose parents might be saving for their education needs and a little bit of help would go a long way. I really like this. We've talked about it before, but just asking your friends that have kids, do they have a 529 setup? Which if they don't, that's a great opportunity to maybe encourage them to do that so that you can make the gift and then others can also contribute with them. So that's huge. And then number two, to make a small contribution really of any size to the future education needs of your friend's kids, I think is really, really meaningful because it's such a huge burden that parents are carrying, both in terms of caring for their kids today and the financial burdens that presents and in the future of wanting to make sure that they can provide for them. It's a lot. It's a lot to balance. And almost everybody's got too much stuff. I think that's a great way to add a little bit of benefit. Yeah. Parents don't want more stuff to pile up in the corner of their house. And this is a meaningful gift, especially if a kid is small enough that they won't remember that you gave them money towards college. It's a a win-win scenario because they won't remember the gift and you're providing something meaningful to the family. There are a couple good ways to do this. So if you're very open in communicating with the parents, you could do a more direct gift into the 529. Uh, there are also a couple websites that try to facilitate this because this is a common gifting goal of people who have friends with children. So something like a U gift, that's the letter U gift, or giftofcollege.com, try to make it almost like a gift card style way to gift into someone's 529. And if you know what the plan is, a lot of the direct plan sponsors also have similar features like that. Like I know that Virginia has it. You can buy a gift card directly into the Virginia 529. Or if you're on the other side of this and you are a parent that has kids, you can create a gift code. And that is basically a unique account number that is not your account number. It's like a unique routing number that you could give to your friends and family that will allow them to submit a gift directly into your account without having to reveal your specific account details. So that's another great way to do this is simply to let people know, you know, that, hey, we were not expecting anything, perhaps. But if you felt compelled to give a gift, this would be a wonderful way to show your appreciation and and to to show your support. I really love that. So that that's something to consider giving the gift of education. Now, when I was younger, 
I accumulated lots of little papers that I was gifted when I was, I think, mostly just born. And those were savings bonds. So if you're looking to give... Were they I-bonds, Dan? No, they were Series EE bonds, actually. Uh, And they just sat there for a long time until I I finally redeemed them at maturity years ago. But speaking of I-bonds, if you listen to our episode last week, those can be a very attractive gifting tool and you can buy them in increments, I think as low as $25 perhaps, um, which could be a nice gift both for you know, young, young children, or even, you know, across the age group. Now, Dan, you've talked before about your first foray into investing really being a gift from your grandma. That's the other way that you could potentially approach this gift season is a direct gift of stock itself. And there's a couple companies that have come out now that make this a little bit easy. Yeah. So stockpile is one where you, again, buy something like a gift card for shares of stock that you can give someone. And it's a nice prompt to get them to open their own brokerage account. Uh, If someone has a brokerage account open, you can just gift or transfer directly into it from your brokerage. Giving stock is an amazing gift, especially if you're giving shares of a company that relates to the recipient. So if you're giving stock to a child and and you know they have a passion for some gaming ecosystem, for example, and you give shares of that company to them, they feel more vested and excited in the success of that business. And hopefully that spawns a lifetime of learning, of investing, and sprawling through financial statements, or at least reading updates, and uh, then you have a little, a little stock trader on your hands in the future. I'm not sure that they're going to check the paper each week like you did, Dan. I'm not sure people get the paper each week. No, absolutely not. What what do I need the paper for? (laughs) Yeah, it's all there on Yahoo Finance or wherever you get your your stock prices. Now, if you've got somebody that's a little bit more of an avid finance fan, uh, definitely I think there are books that are out there that are wonderful. Now, I was going to suggest Morgan Housel's book, The Psychology of Money. Absolutely. He was our first guest on the podcast. That is an incredible book. But he sold a million copies of it already. So you're the person you're thinking about giving that gift to probably already owns it. Right. Because it seems like a pretty ubiquitous finance book at this point and has become almost an instant classic. Yeah, Morgan doesn't need your support at this time. He's got he's got a, a million books already in the bank. But he continues to put out great content on his blog and things of that nature. Check him out on Twitter uh, for, for Morgan Housel. And uh, I think we're going to invite him back and hope that he comes back on the show uh, so we can put some some public pressure on him there. We should. And then another good option is Richer, Wiser, Happier by William Green, who is also on the show. If you haven't checked that book out, it's a great I call it a hybrid book, right? Because it's about investing and you get great investing lessons, but it's also a good personal interest book because you learn stories of all these great figures, you know, both current and past and and their habits that led them to success. So I really enjoyed that one and recommend it again. Dan, I'm going to suggest one more and I'm about a quarter of the way through this book. I was reading it because the name of it entertained me so much. Uh, So I don't know how it ends. Uh, but there is a book out called Money Hacks for Metalheads and Old Millennials. Color me interested. Conquering personal finance one riff at a time. And that felt like it was right up your alley. That's that. Uh, that's by Jesse May. And it's written in kind of a really casual style. Um, granted, it's kind of pointed at people uh, our age, but uh, really a fun, fun read so far. Okay, interesting. I like it. I'm going to have to check that out because it blends the two books that I most recently read, which seems like a win for at least for me. I don't know how big that audience is. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it, that was kind of the point was like, maybe this is a little bit too specific, but I actually really liked that. I think Jesse's point was that at a metal show, you kind of get this crazy cross section of ages and backgrounds and that it's a really inclusive environment, that it's not necessarily uh, what you would expect at a metal show. And yeah. I really liked that, that it's kind of an inclusive approach to talking about finance and um, I'm enjoying it so far. Okay, great. Now, Ross, let's do our Oprah has her favorite things. Let's do a mini version of our favorite things. So, so non-finance, right? Let's go back through the year and think of the one thing that you received, whether it be a book, a music, something that you would put on your favorite things list for 2021. All right. So this is really lame. This is a lame answer, but it is the truth. Uh, I have a deep love affair with Bomba's socks. So I watch Shark Tank pretty religiously, really enjoy Shark Tank. And I remember watching the Bomba's pitch. Uh, and they have kind of a social cause behind them that each pair that is purchased of their socks, they also donate a pair uh, typically to a homeless shelter. And that's one of the most requested items at homeless shelters. So I really liked both the messaging. And it turns out I love the socks. I have a couple pairs of their wool socks that as it's getting chilly here in the winter, I'm probably going to add some more to my collection because they are fantastically comfortable. I've got their ski socks. I've got their athletic socks. I have like completely converted uh, my sock collection to Bombas because I both appreciate the mission and I really like their socks. That is the lamest answer I could give you on what was my favorite. It wasn't even a gift this year, but just like favorite little knickknacky thing. Socks. If there was any question that we're getting old, it, that that is all dispelled now because socks excite us tremendously. They do. I, I and and you know what? I bet there's other folks out there listening to this that also enjoy a good sock, and it's the simple pleasures in life at this point. It is. Now I have a. <laughs> we could take this conversation deep into socks, and you know what? As my Christmas gift to all the listeners out there, I'm not going to do it. I will not <laughs> continue to talk about socks. But hopefully. You found something in this conversation that might inspire you for the the one person left on your gift list who you haven't purchased for, or uh, someone who you wanted to do something more meaningful for. And uh, if if you've had any creative gifting ideas that you've employed either in the past or this year, we'd love to hear about it. Shoot us an email at checkyourbalances@outlook.com. As Ross mentioned, next week we're going to do a recap on the year from an investing perspective. If you have any questions about that. Let us know as well. We'd love to feature you on the show. I believe we still have a couple mugs left, Ross. We do. Absolutely. We'd be happy to send those out as well. And also a great Christmas gift. Faux free. All you have yeah. for the cost of one question. And dare I say, I think everyone has a favorite coffee mug in their house. This has quickly become mine. It's really a good mug. I like, I'm not just saying that because we paid to have them made and we did, but uh, I actually really enjoy it as a coffee mug. And I've always found the best gifts come from things that you enjoy personally. And so we, we appreciate that. Here's what you do. You buy the Bombas. You stuff it in the mug. You wrap it up. Two for one. Great gift. There it is. Boom. We will catch you next week for our 2021 year wrap up. Thanks for listening.